join us on our perch at the far end of the bar. He's Ben. He's Richard. And just before you joined us, we were talking about Victoria Woodall. Not Victoria Wood, Victoria Woodall. Oh, I miss Victoria oh, Wood. Oh, mate. I'll tell you what happened the other day. Sue and I went to a class at the gym. It was called Stretch and Bend or something like that. Stretch and Flex. <laughs> flex and Stretching Bend. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, it's in one of these studios, so there's, there's mirrors all around. Right. And, you know, I'm a portly chap, and we're surrounded by others of our ilk, and yeah. I just could not get the image of a Victoria Wood sketch out of my mind as we were all trying to do the yoga poses. Did you have a pink leotard on? Did you have leg warmers on? It was a given that that's what we would have been wearing. Yeah. But it was just yeah. like this. Victoria Wood would have been on her hands and knees laughing her absolute socks off if she'd have been in this room. It was absolutely manna from heaven for her. And God rest her soul. I miss yeah. her even now. And God bless her for every single uh, non-joke that she wrote which mm. were the funniest things, much funnier than jokes. Uh, and the characters were just fantastic. Oh, is God, is it, it on the trolley? Oh, can you point to it? <laughs> <laughs> Two soups. Two soups. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But no, not Victoria Wood, Victoria Wood Hull. Mm. Um, because we've just, by a slither past the 150th anniversary of Victoria Woodhull becoming the first woman to be nominated for the presidency of the United States of America. Ooh. Yeah, that far back. Um, she was very strange. Yeah. She was the first woman to start a Wall Street brokerage firm, but she was also a magnetic healer. A magnetic healer? I haven't done any research because I knew you'd ask, and I don't know. But I would imagine it was something to... I think there was quite a bit of the snake oil salesman about the woman. Yes. <laughs> it was a very strange woman, the uh, magnetic healer. Um, early member of the modern eugenics movement, so, you know, immediately she's gone down in my estimation. <laughs> in London, this was. And more than that, she was instrumental in defining the movement's philosophy, raising awareness for eugenics policy by giving speeches and interviews to large newspapers in England who wrote every word down and mm. the United States as well. Um, it's debatable to what degree Woodhull favoured forced sterilisation. You see, where are we going with this? And she wanted to be the president of the United States then. I mean, it's good to know that nutters have wanted to be the president for, you know, a century, yeah. not just in recent and, and, and the horrible thing is that she had what she described as an undesirable child because she, she spent election night in jail, fled to England uh, in 1927. But she'd had this run-in with this preacher. Um, uh, the outspoken opportunist wrote an article pointing out the hypocrisy of a philandering preacher who just so happened to be a critic of her presidential campaign. That's why she spent the election night in jail. Mm. But the libel lawsuit shattered her reputation, that and the fact that she had a disabled child um, and obviously eugenics is kind of sifting out the good from the bad, the wheat from the chaff. Horrible, horrible idea. Mm. Um, but uh, very strange. But she spent most of the rest of her life in England. Um, I think she lived in Worcestershire or okay. Warwickshire, one of, one of the wobble use, mm -hmm. uh, until her death in 1927. But it was 150 years ago, just the other day, that Victoria Woodhull uh, became the first woman to be nominated for the presidency of the United States. 
you have to be American. I mean, born American to be the president. Yes, because there was all that nonsense around Obama, wasn't there, that yes. Trump tried to stir up? Yes. Oh, yes, we've got evidence he's Kenyan. Mm. Right. They, they just make stuff up now, don't they? Yeah, and, you know, it seems to be that's fine. People don't really worry about actual facts so much anymore. What happened to facts? Do you know what? We're going to come on to that in a bit. That I, I, I hadn't, um, hadn't thought we would do a lead in that way. But I've got something here which just um, uh, basically I- I'm going to tra- I'm going to throw forward. As we Ooh, used to are you? you? Yes. Everything you thought you knew is wrong. Okay. We'll come to that in a bit. But first, here's Phil Collins. <laughs> a local radio link. Got something you want to tell us? Email the far end of the bar at gmail.com. Or find us on Insta, Twitter or Facebook using the hashtag TFEOTB. First, here's an opportunity to have a drink. Oh, OK. Can I intro? I think I could. I think I'll, I think, I think I'll be able to sell this to you. OK, well, listen, I've had a tough day. Yeah. I really could do with a good... Nice drink. So, you know, don't let me down, right? A nice cold beer. Bring it on. Whatever you've got. I say whatever you've got. I don't mean that. (laughs) (laughs) This is Polish hot beer. Polish hop beer. Hop. Not hop. Hot. Hot. Oh, this is steaming hot. Steaming hot beer. Ah. Granny Piwo. Bless you. I have no Polish. I hope I've given that the correct pronunciation. Right. Granny Piwal, also known as hot beer. Um, it's beer that is mulled and then served hot. But there is more to Granny Piwal than just the temperature. The beer also contains added spices and ingredients to give it a, a unique, zesty flavour. We're getting more, we're straying into the realms of mulled wine, I think. I was going to say, this is what it reminds me of. You know, well, if you it's fancy not only it, that mulled wine is hot, it's that it's mulled. Yeah. Uh, I, I, some people loathe the very idea, you know, the smell of the cinnamon and the cloves mm. from the mulled wine. I'm not a big wines. fan of mulled wine myself. No, it's, it's anathema to some people. I don't mind a glass, but can get a bit dry. Yeah. Um, if you fancy it, I've got a recipe you can try at home. Uh, you can, mm. <laughs> First of all, it will come as no surprise to know that you'll need some beer. Get some beer. Get some in. Add three tablespoons of honey, a large orange, one Ooh. teaspoon of cloves, quarter mm. teaspoon of cinnamon, quarter teaspoon of ginger. Here's the um, joker in the pack. One egg yolk. Oh. In a hot beer? Optional. Surely it'll go funny. Clag. <laughs> I don't know, some people like clag. I, clag. I've never been a man who could drink clag. Point of clag, please. And if they called it Polish clag beer, no one's going to go for that, are they? They're not, are they? That's, I think, why the egg yolk is optional. Okay. Stir it for a few minutes. Once it bubbles, it's ready. Mm. Uh, It's generally sold all over Poland. It is very easy to find in bars and restaurants, especially in the wintertime. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can also buy it in bottles from off-licenses supermarkets. These bottles are ready-made with the mixture and are ready to go. Simply pour it into a saucepan at home. Heat before drinking. Have I sold this to you? Are you going to have a go at the Granny Paul? 
Well, as we sit here on a balmy spring evening recording this edition of The Far End of the Bar... It has to be said, we are sipping mint juleps as we speak to you. I'm thinking to myself, do I really fancy hot beer right now? So, what I think I will do is say, not tonight, darling, but (laughs) maybe, you know, when the nights have drawn in, the temperature is colder, I'm not sat here in my shorts and a T-shirt, I might be tempted by a hot beer at that point. An old man's thoughts may go to some Polish hot beer. Yeah. Old man, did you say? Oh, well, no. Well, you can't see what I can see. Is that what you said? (laughs) (laughs) Pot calling kettle. Okay. (laughs) The walls of Pompeii, famously destroyed by Mount Vesuvius yes, erupting in the eruption 1700 years ago mm-hmm. that was you might remember it old man and then uh, what you don't hear so often about the walls of Pompeii uh, the hilarious graffiti ah uh, yes absorbed yes yes so have you ever I've, been I've never been to Pompeii no I've no. never been my dear lady wife has been Mm. I'm not sure that she saw the hilarious graffiti. There, there's quite a bit of erotica as well, I know. There is, yeah. But, I mean, some of it's quite bawdy. Mm. Uh, so, but there is... I mean, the pictures are uh, erotic of their time. Um, but, you know, like in the same way now, you might see graffiti scrawled in the toilet. You know, Gary was here. Um, your mum is available. Call this number. You know... <laughs> That sort my, of thing, my, right? My, fav- my favourite piece of toilet graffiti mm. was uh, in a toilet outside the studios of uh, uh, the BBC, television mm-hmm. studios of the BBC, which is just a little blue there. Uh, and someone, I think, was trying out graffiti for the very first time. Okay. Not tremendously confident about splashing the wall with a big kind of statement. Mm-hmm. They'd written... And you had to kind of lean forward from where you were standing. Uh, You had to lean forward to actually discern that they'd written in tiny mouse's writing the word, damn. (laughs) And whenever I went in there, I thought, now who wrote that? Because there was nothing else written on the walls. But they'd taken a pen in and they'd gone, damn. That's nice. Um, My my favourite ever is... It's, it's understated, this, and that's what I like about it. It's tremendously understated. And it just said, your auntie says hi. <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, while we're on the subject of toilets, um, I had a minor incident at my workplace the other day where, uh, oh, I think I've mentioned this before, the toilets there are all cubicles. So I was in uh, having um, a number one, and uh, I thought I'd shut the door behind me, right? But uh, turns out I hadn't. So when I finished doing my business and I turned around to open the door, it was already open. So I gave it a tremendous kick by accident. It made a hell of a noise, one of those things that reverberates around an echoey bathroom. And all I heard from the cubicle next to me was, oh, 
<laughs> and it was the kind of, oh, that made me think, I think I might have caused someone to have a small accident in that cubicle. Uh, I, if they're listening, I'd like to apologise. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Okay. Um, Meanwhile. In the bar of uh, Athictus, Athictus, uh, just says quite simply, I screwed the barmaid. Obviously very proud of this and thought Is they should make Latin? a record of it. Uh, I'm, I guess so, in Pompeii, right? Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be in English anyway. Uh, House of uh, Pascius Hermes. What shit, you that poos in this place. May you have Joe's anger if you ignore this. So I'm guessing that wasn't in the toilet. It was elsewhere, yeah. where, they, where pooing was not welcome. No. Um, Vicolo del Panettiere. House of the Vibi Merchants. This is a tremendously serious allegation. Uh, I guess written by a woman. Atimitus got me pregnant. And then when we go to the Lupinaire, uh, a boaster here, someone who just wants to let the world know, I screwed a lot of girls here. Maybe that's the f- same person as... They wrote, I screwed the barmaid in the bar of Athictus. It may work. And then, it's, it's ripe, isn't it? Yeah, and finally, my favourite one from Pompeii. Uh, again, I think because it's slightly understated, um, in the Basilica, it just says, Epaphra, you are bald. Oh. <laughs> there have been a lot of rumours. Yes. Confirmation at last. Um, they would all have been written in Latin. And it's just, just reminding me of that wonderful scene in uh, Monty Python's Life of Brian where uh, the People's Front of Judea or the Judea People's Front had gone out and they were writing graffiti on the wall and then the Roman guards come along and they criticise their grammar <laughs> and they make them do Latin declensions. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Excellent. Um, I have a, a brief collection of uh, more modern graffiti that's been collected from around the world. Um, so someone has written on this wall, your mum is a nice lady. And then underneath someone has replied, your father is proud of you. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's nice to see these little conversations, isn't it? Um, here's a home truth, an actual truth. Uh, the original poster said, expand Heathrow and the benefits will extend all over Britain. And someone has crossed out Heathrow, and in very neat writing, they've written the arts. So it oh. says now, expand the arts, and the benefits will extend all over Britain. You can't really argue, can you? Give that man a medal, or that woman, or that woman a medal. Absolutely. Who, yeah. Um, for a good time, call your mum. She gave you life and misses you. <laughs> I wonder right? where that was going. See, Lovely bit of misdirection Took you down the there. road and then took you off in a different direction. Yeah. No man has ever gone blind from looking at the bright side of life. Good. Good. Yeah, very nice. To help others that are feeling anxious feel a little bit better about their situation, someone wrote on a wall, I get nervous, but I try my best. Ah. Good advice for life. That was obviously Boris Johnson's mum. <laughs> Could well be, yeah. Um... And finally, this one, I think I recognise this one. I'm pretty sure that it is on a bridge over the M32 uh, around uh, Bristol here, where okay. from 
which at least half of us are bro- uh, broadcast. I say broadcasting. At least half of us are podcasting. Yeah. And it just says, give peas a chance. Yes. I've always thought that peas were uh, overlooked. Mm. Listen, um, very good graffiti, particularly like the, the Latin stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did previously mention that I, I, I would throw at you everything you thought you knew is wrong. Okay. Um, and I, I've got a few written down, one of which um, is Roman. You'll have heard that at Roman binges, mm. they would eat and drink and orge away until they couldn't eat or drink or orge anymore. Yes. And then uh, they'd go to, what was the room they went to? What, what do you think it was called? Was it the vomitarium? Vomitorium. Vomitorium. They'd stagger out into the vomitorium, throw up and start all over again. That's the way to do it, isn't it? Except that they didn't. Oh. Because nice as it would fit in with the idea of vomiting, the vomitorium is, in fact, the Roman name for the entrance to a stadium. Really? Yes. So if you're orging and eating and drinking, Mm. you're not going to leg it down the road to the Colosseum, throw up, and then leg it back. No. No. So everything you thought you knew is wrong. That's good. That's one. Here's another one for you. What is the one thing that you've always been told you can see from outer space? The Great Wall of China. Correct. Except Except you're wrong. it's not. Because you can't see it from space. Yeah. And uh, can, oh, what is the thing you can see from space then? The Earth. Now, <laughs> the the la- a final one. Oh, maybe maybe I might do another. I'll do two more. Who is the Lord of Hell? Um, it's Jacob Rees-Mogg. Yeah. Well, oh, there you go. <laughs> I, I think you'll find that he's his assistant. <laughs> the mewling pencil is the Lord of Hell. Right. Michael Gove, a.k.a. <laughs> Who's now doing impressions, apparently. Oh, dear. Let's not go there. I'm in a good mood currently. Let's not spoil things. The Lord of Hell? One more chance? No. The Lord of Hell? Satan. Okay. Okay. Satan. The devil. The devil. However you yeah. want to say it. Beelzebub. Mm-hmm. The king of hell. The head honcho of hell. The Lord of Hell. Absolutely nowhere in the Bible does it mention that the devil rules hell. Oh, is, does it mention hell? I think it's. Uh, I think it does. I think. Um, I think that's an interpretation that comes later. Okay. It's like oh, one last one then. What percentage of our brain do we use? Uh, well, I mean, it obviously varies from person to person. So, um, my colleague Tobias, for example, would use perhaps zero point eight, zero point nine percent. Whereas someone like me. <clears throat> would use somewhere in the region of 32.6%. There's this <laughs> myth. Oh, it's very nice. I, I like, like the way that you breathed on your fingernails and rubbed them on your lapel there. There's this myth that we only use 10% of our brain. 10%, that's it, yeah. 10%. We only, we only ever use 10% of our brain. If we could only tap into the other 90%, what a wonderful world this would be. Uh-huh. Um, so that's utter Friar's Balsam. The Association mm. of Psychological Science writes, this notion seems firmly rooted 
in popular culture, despite many efforts to debunk it. Um, I haven't seen the film Lucy. It's the one with Scarlett Johansson, but apparently oh, yeah. it, was, it was the basic. Did you see that? Uh, yeah, a while ago now. I can't really remember it in detail. It, apparently it's, it's the basis of that, uh, which mm. depicted what supposedly would happen if a person actually used all 100% of her brain power. This idea that if you could unleash the full power of your brain, you would be able to move things mm. without touching them. Okay. Well, yeah, have no, you, I have you heard this before. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, yeah, but have you ever tried that? Oh, yeah. You know, when I was younger, yes. um, I've sat in a, in a room and, you know, with my mates. If we really stare exactly. at that bottle of wine, maybe yeah. it'll pour itself into our glasses. <laughs> if, if only. If only. Yeah. <laughs> in the 40s, 50s, 60s, it probably went on longer than that. There were many experiments on people who claimed to have the ability to move objects with their minds. Uh, telekinesis, psychokinesis, all the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, a lovely old gag. Uh, anyone here got psychic powers? Raise my hand. <laughs> Which, lovely old gag. Apparently 25% of Americans believe, even now, if, if you say, are there people out there with psychic powers, mind-melding telekinetic powers, they will say yes, I believe that. But 72% of Americans believe in angels. Do they really? Yep. Is that for real? That's, yes, that's for real. And I, I, I actually looked that one up because I thought because I'd, I'd heard it I heard it just recently but it was one of those things that lies at the back of your mind dormant because it's not a piece of information that you trot out very often mm. I, and I looked it up and I went back to surveys all the way back to the 90s and then uh, one as recently as two years ago it it barely fluctuates it goes mm. between 72 and 75 percent of Americans polled believe in angels and not only believe in angels but believe that angels walk the earth well, they must have listened to our podcast, Richard. Well, if if they have, and I'm sure they're listening now, uh, they'll be going, yes, and what's wrong with that? Yeah. Witness these two angels bringing these words of joy and knowledge into my ears. As far as I know, angels are right swines, aren't they? They're, they're not good. Angels are not good. Really? No, they're not like... They, they, uh, well, I'll have to go oh, back to the source material on this. But as I understand, it, certainly if you watch Good Intentions, they're not good. Even the good ones aren't good. But okay. there we are. Well, anyway. Well done, the Americans. Um, so. <laughs> you're so dismissive, aren't you? Give you a hot beer and you're just so dismissive. A whole civilization, well done. No, I love I love our, uh, our transatlantic cousins, um... Yeah, I do. This week's uh, pub quiz is fact or fiction, and it has a theme. You know, I know you like ones with themes. It's it's a thing. You've got you've got a fifty fifty percent chance, haven't you? you know. Yeah, I suppose there's that. Okay, um, and it's a subject that is close to your heart. You like this subject. Okay, it's cheese. 
Oh, yeah, no, I do like some cheese. There you go. Uh, question number one, cheesine. Yeah. Cheesine was a 19th century artificial cheese substitute imported from America. In 1888, the grocer attested to its disappointing quality. I bought some <laughs> lots of cheesine under the impression that it was cheese. It was unsaleable. Cheesine. So, cheesine. Uh, like, as in margarine well, instead of butter. Oh, see, I like the way you're thinking. Yeah. You're working this out. Forensic. It, this man has a forensic mind. Hmm. Chizine, I mean, so what am I? You're, you're asking me whether Chizine exists or whether yeah, it fact doesn't. Yeah, or fiction. Okay, right. I'll, uh, I'll ruminate. Oh, you're going to ruminate. Okay, all yeah, right. We'll come back at the end. Yeah. Um, question two. During the Second World War, cheese was rationed two ounces per person per week. The Ministry mm-hmm. of Food stipulated that not only one variety of cheese could be made, but it was a hard cheddar style item called national cheese, but it, it had to be accompanied by a slice of the national loaf, a rather dry wholemeal bread. National cheese to go with the national loaf. Fact or fiction? Uh, well, I think national cheese is available now, is it not? On ITV, Saturday nights. <laughs> um, okay, national cheese, yeah, we'll come back to that. And third and final one, the Plowman's Lunch. Mmm. Cheese, bread, pickle, washed down with a pint. It's been a very long time since I had a Plowman's Lunch. Yes, it's been a while. Oh, I really fancy a Plowman's Lunch. And and I do like a Plowman's Lunch that has a pickled onion, although pickled onions don't don't agree with me these days. No, well, but as a one-off, if it's not got a pickled onion, it's not a Plowman's Lunch. And it has to be a crunchy pickled onion. Oh, yeah. Not one of these these soft ones. No. One of those little um, cocktail pickled onions. No, they, proper they put in your a proper yeah. big whopper, mm. malt vinegar. You have to eat it like an apple. <laughs> the um, and then hold on to your stomach like you've eaten twenty uh, apples after you've been scrumping. Here's how you do it: bite a pickled onion, yeah, Rennie. Oh. Bite a pickled onion, <laughs> Rennie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a, a piece of chalk will do. The ploughman's lunch of cheese, bread, and pickle washed down with a beer is not. A long-established English tradition, but something invented by ad men in the 1960s. Wow, that is that is controversial. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if that's true, that could upset the balance of everything that we know. Okay, right, and that that is the sort of allegation that, that deserves due respect and cogitation. So uh, I will. Uh, let that bubble away in the back of my brain. I've got a quick update from our new semi-regular feature, Stuff Tobias Has Said. Oh, right, good. So you'll remember this is my colleague who is fast becoming one of my favourite human beings on the face of the planet. And uh, I've been noting down the things that he said. Does, that he, really does he know that you, you, you're kind of... Stalking, yeah, him and he's totally. Uh, he's on board. Ofe, Ofe, right? As they say, does he understand uh, why you're writing things down? Yeah, he says quite often now he'll say something and he'll say, "Hold on, let's just pause so Ben can make a note of that." <laughs> 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 uh, but, 
but there's there's nothing constructed about it. It's just whatever comes in his brain. He's he isn't he's only young. He hasn't yet developed the filter between his brain and his mouth. So what comes mm. in his head, he says out loud. So the other day, uh, we were on Teams, the uh, video conferencing software we use when we're working remotely. And um, I I joined the call, and he was there playing with his hair, swishing it back and forth. And he said, oh, my hair is like a chocolate waterfall. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brilliant! I, I think I think that must be to, that might be totally original. I mean, some people in, in times like that, people do reach for the cliche or for for a popular yeah. phrase or saying. But my hair is like a chocolate waterfall. You have to applaud his original thought, right? It's like just it. a wonderful thing, isn't it? His brain. Uh, apropos of nothing, in the middle of a conversation that had not mentioned anything to do with any of the words in this following sentence, he said, "I love a massive crack." I still don't know why he said that, but it made me laugh a lot. Obviously talking about paving. Yeah. Well, um, so we were talking about farming, because he's expressed a desire before to become a farmer, perhaps, in a, in a future life. So he said, what's that place? What's that place where the animals go, you know, at the end of their life? It's not a boudoir, not a boudoir, abattoir. <laughs> the sheep have gone off to the boudoir. Brilliant. Uh, and then I wrote this little short story about Tobias, uh, so I'd like to just uh, debut this now on the far end of the bar. Once upon a time, there was a farmer called Tobias who lived on his small farm with his family and two cows, Daisy and Sally. One day, the family got hungry, so <coughs> they ate raw steak. You're being heavily influenced, aren't you? You are being heavily yeah. influenced. I'm yeah, being corrupted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, people will be able to tell, will monitor you week by week now and tell just yeah. how far down this road of Tobiasness you go. <laughs> okay, quickly back to the pub quiz to wrap that up. Uh, the theme this week cheese. Fact or fiction, cheesine. Was it a real thing in the 19th century? Was it artificial cheese? Imported from America. Mm, I, I mean, it's an idea so abhorrent. I can only, in all good faith, say uh, fiction. Uh, oh, and uh, no, it's a fact. Oh. Uh, and cheese substitutes are still around. Whether or not yeah. you'll find cheesine is another matter. Okay. Uh, question number two: During the Second World War, cheese was rationed. Um, there was a hard cheddar cheese called national cheese. Mm -hmm. which was often accompanied by a slice of the national loaf, this mm. dry, wholemeal bread thing. Okay. Fact or fiction? I refer the Honourable Member to the joke I gave some moments ago because I haven't thought of another one for this, so I'm just going to say uh, fiction. Fiction. I thought we were going to say hard cheese. Um, <laughs> it's a fact. Oh. Cheese didn't come off the rationing until 1954. There was national cheese and a national loaf as well. And I'm doing finally, so badly that my stomach is beginning to feel like I've eaten a lot of cheese. Yeah, well, look forward to your ploughman's lunch with the pickled onion because mm -hmm. the question is, was the ploughman's lunch uh, not a long-established English tradition but something that was invented by ad men in the 1960s? As we discussed earlier, if this is a fact, I fear for the future of the country. I think there may be serious civil unrest. So I'm going to cross my fingers and go with fiction. 
and you'd be right to go with fiction. Oh, Although, the oh. Cheese Council... The what? Yes. It, I suppose it was a bit like the Milk Marketing Board. OK. Um, in those days, they had the Cheese Council. First started using the term in ads in the 1960s. Mm. However, and that's where this myth that the Plowman's Lunch was invented in the 1960s, but there's lots of evidence that the term plowman's or plowboy's lunch was used earlier. And there's photographs of plowmen in the late 19th, early 20th centuries sitting in fields, lunching on what, what looks like bread, cheese and beer. And also, and I think this one kind of puts the nail on the head, really, an 1837 Life of Walter Scott mentions an extemporised sandwich that looked like a ploughman's lunch. So we think, we think we're going to go with that. So it's, it's been around for a very long time. So okay. one out of three ain't bad, but it ain't very good either. Well, I've, I've done better. I'm... Yes, you have. You have. Yeah. But uh, off you go then. Off you pop to have some Polish hot beer. <laughs> Imagine the amount of uh, indigestion uh, remedies I would need if I had the Polish hot beer, some uh, plowman's lunch, some chisine and uh, some national cheese. Goodness me. Lovely. Don't have nightmares. <laughs> yes, you'll be visited by three politicians in the night. <laughs> That's it from us. We'll see you next time. Until then, reservoir. Cheerio. That's time at the far end of the bar. You've been listening to Richard Lewis and Ben Orr. If you enjoyed your time with us, please don't forget to like and subscribe to make sure you catch the next episode. And find us on all the socials. Just search hashtag TFEOTB or email us at thefarendofthebar at gmail.com. Cheers. Cheers.